Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone and welcome to week five of our series called Fruit Feeder. Now this is another series where we're talking about fruit. And the reason that we are talking about fruit is because we got a word at the start of the year that we would be fruitful here at Akuo Church. So we have done our best to learn about what spiritual fruit is and how we can use it in our lives. Now in this series, Fruit Feeder, what we're doing is taking a look at how this fruit is actually fed by the situations in our lives. And we're looking at this idea through the lens of the scripture we find in James 1. There it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. What we are looking at is how crappy situations can be used to fertilize the fruit that the Holy Spirit is growing in our lives. What we are understanding is that pain has purpose in our lives. The pain that we are going through right now will have a purpose in the future. And the best way for us to show you guys that as communicators is to be hot for all of you watching and listening. We are doing our best to model what it looks like to be hot. Now, don't go crazy just yet. For those of you that have been watching for the last few weeks, you know what HOT is all about. It's just an acronym for Honest, Open, and Transparent. We all want a hot church. So if you want to do that, if you want a hot church, just throw that in the chat for me just right now. Type this in. Akuo is a hot church. Akuo is a hot church. Now, if you aren't in the chat, just say it out loud wherever you are. Akuo is a hot church. Don't worry about those people looking at you. It's okay. That's what we are doing here at Akua. And one of the ways that we can do that and we can love people is by being honest, open, and transparent with them. And this week, we have a special guest joining us that is probably the hottest pastor I've ever known. Today, we have the lead pastor at City Tribe Church, Doug Robbins, joining us. Doug is someone that I've known for a very long time. He has been my personal pastor and friend since I've been in college. Doug is one of the people that I have learned what being hot is really all about. He's also someone that I have seen turn crappy situations in his life into fertilizer for the spiritual fruit that the Holy Spirit is growing in his life. So with all that being said, here is Pastor Doug Robbins. Great to be with you today, Akuo. And I want to give a bit of a shout out and some love to both Abel and Humby. They're standing right back there behind the camera. And I love you guys. I couldn't be prouder of you guys. And I thank God that you guys are not just leading a church where you're trying to figure it out on your own and do what you want to do. But you guys, humbly and able, are listening to the Lord, listening to the Holy Spirit, and obeying what He says. And so those of you that are regulars at Akuo, you've got good, godly men that are spiritual sons that I love that are leading you in an amazing direction into the future. So before we get into the Bible study today, what do you say we pray and just ask God by His Spirit to speak to us today? If you're comfortable to do so, put out a hand in a position to receive. And God, as we come before you, some are just trying to figure out if you're legit and for real. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd reveal yourself to them in a special way. 
And others of us have known you for a short time. Some have known you for a long time, but we didn't log into church today just to get more knowledge or information, but we came here today to get transformation, to change, to connect with the living God of the universe. And so Holy Spirit, welcome to speak to my heart, to our hearts. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Well, one of the things that I loved about being a kid and being a part of birthday parties is that they oftentimes had a pinata. And we all love the pinata because when you hit the pinata and break it open, the candy falls out, right? The treasures fall out. And I remember there would be some big kids that would just plow everybody over and grab all the candy. And I remember other kids would just lay down on top of the candy and take as much as they could and stuff it into their pockets. And I was the kid that would take my baseball cap and I would get as much candy as I could in the baseball cap. And we all love the pinata. And the reason that we love it is when you break it, a treasure comes out. And that's like you and I. We're like pinatas when we're broken a treasure is revealed. And I believe that that's what Humby and other teachers have been getting at in this series when they've said pain has a purpose. Your pain, my pain has a purpose. Part of the idea is that your crap from the past fertilizes the fruit that God wants to bear in your life. And I've heard lots of pastors and teachers talk about this in many different ways. I've heard some people say, well, your mess becomes your message. Or some people say, your test becomes your testimony. I've heard one friend say, your comeback's better than your setback. I've heard one guy say it like this, where there is ruin, there's hope for a treasure. These are all just different ways to say that your pain has purpose. And these days, a lot more pastors are given this type of messaging. And I think that's a good, good thing, you know, because a lot of us have experienced religious environments where it was not okay to not be okay. We've been in environments where we were expected to be perfect all the time. And we, when we couldn't live up to it, we never got to experience the purpose in our pain. And one of the things that I love about the Bible is that God gives us these very earthy illustrations that help us to understand spiritual truth. And one of those pictures that he gives us is of a clay jar. And I brought a picture today of a clay jar. I took this picture in Israel. I think it was somewhere near Masada. And the reason that I took the picture and the reason I brought the picture here today is because it represents something in you and I spiritually. And also this one is very similar to the clay jars that Jesus and Paul referenced in the New Testament of the Bible. If you hadn't read the gospels, uh, that you would see there that Jesus talked about a guy who found a treasure in a field and he went and sold everything that he had to go and buy the treasure that's in the field. And what he was buying was what was probably someone's ancient safety deposit box or someone's ancient 401k that was stored up inside of one of these clay jars. People would stash their money in there. They would store up their treasures in there. They would bury it in the ground. And when they needed it, they'd go back and get it. And so keep that in mind as we go to 2 Corinthians. Let me show you chapter 4, verse 7 through 9, where Paul says, but we have this treasure in clay jars 
so that it will be evident that such overwhelming power comes from God and not from us. We have all kinds of troubles. We know that's true, don't we? But we're not crushed. We're perplexed, yet not in despair. Persecuted, yet not abandoned. Knocked down, yet not destroyed. And so the clay jar has become a symbol of brokenness in the scriptures. And when I talk about brokenness, I'm not just talking about the imperfections that we don't like about ourselves, right? Some of you have gotten stretch marks. That's not brokenness, okay? Some people like me at my age, my hair is receding. And so my hair is leaving my forehead. It's receding like the rainforest. It's going to places I don't want it to, like in my ears. I didn't sign up for ear hair, okay? And maybe you didn't sign up for back hair or whatever, but that's not brokenness. Some of you who are younger, your students, you know, like you get a zit or a C on your report card, that's not brokenness. See, brokenness is something way more than just those little imperfections that we don't like about ourselves. And you know, some people are what I call play broken. And play broken is someone who's smart enough to know that being like an underdog is marketable. And so play broken people pretend to be broken in order to connect with audiences and be more marketable. And some would call that false humility. Now, rather brokenness is like that disability that breaks you. The financial ruin that's come to your life, the life-altering disease that's changed everything about your reality, the painful thing that happened to you, perhaps it's the painful sin that you committed that continues to bring guilt and shame on your life. And sometimes people would say brokenness is that thing that makes me feel like a freak on the inside. Now, we know that all of us have gone through trials, troubles, tribulations, and the like, but just because we've been through trouble doesn't mean that we've been broken like the Bible talks about brokenness. And so what are some clues that I am, that you are, that other people that we see are actually broken? Well, I got some clues about this from an author named Pete Scazzaro. He wrote a little book called Emotionally Healthy Church, and I adapted a little chart in the book for our purposes today, but he says that pride would keep us from experiencing God's brokenness. And so someone with a proud and defensive heart is guarded and protective of their flaws, whereas someone who's broken is transparent about their flaws and issues. The proud and defensive heart is highly offendable and defensive, whereas the broken heart is someone that's approachable and open to input. The proud and defensive person gives opinions a lot, even when they're not asked for. (laughs) And then the broken heart is slow to speak and quick to listen. The proud and defensive heart likes to control most situations, whereas the broken heart can let go and allow others to lead. The proud and defensive heart, and this is perhaps one of the most significant ones, has to be right and rarely ask for forgiveness whereas the broken person admits mistakes and weaknesses and able to ask others for forgiveness. That last one is significant. If you or someone that you know never says the words, I'm wrong, will you please forgive me? It's a good chance that that person has not yet been broken by the Lord. And here's one of the things that you'll see about brokenness is being broken makes you open. 
Now, when I say being broken makes you open, it doesn't just mean that you're open-minded to other ideas. It's something that transcends that, that's beyond that. Because I think what you and I both know is that most people today are not really open-minded. They're just open-minded like the algorithms of their social media that tells them what they already believe. But the brokenness and openness that happens from God is something that not only makes you open-minded, but it makes you open-hearted open-hearted to other people, and most of all, open-hearted to God. And you say, God, I am open to whatever you say to me. God, I'm open to whatever you ask me to do in this life. And so one of the things about brokenness is that it's painful. We know that. And most of us want to avoid pain. But what I'm going to show you today are three benefits to brokenness in your life. So look at number one. When we're broken, it allows us to release control, to let go of control. Now, when we've been hurt or gone through hard times, it makes us want to avoid getting hurt again. And what that does, particularly in our relationships, is it makes us want to control, tightly control all the relationships in our lives. And so have you ever seen a parent who's overly controlling of his or her kids? Now, I'm not talking about just regular boundaries or house rules that parents have, but I'm talking about the over-control of a parent. And oftentimes those parents are ones that have a wound of their own. But what they find is, is that the more tightly they squeeze their kids in control, the more those kids slip out of their hands and move far, far away. Perhaps some of you have had a manager or a boss at work that manages you with a tight control. And what those managers find is that the more tightly they squeeze their employees and micromanage them and try and control them, the more those same employees slip out of their hands and keep their LinkedIn profiles up to date so they can find another job because here's the truth is that control is an illusion we think we're in control but we do not control the hearts and minds of other people and situations in our lives and it's kind of hard for us because we live in this society of controls we have air traffic control we have pest control. We have birth control. Most importantly, we have the remote control, you know, that's the symbol of authority in the home. And look, people with control issues, even before the pandemic, tried germ control. Oh, some control freaks love wearing a mask, right? And by the way, I'm for wearing a mask. Ask me how I know about germ control. Because when I go into a restroom, even before the pandemic, and I would wash my hands in that restroom, then I would take the paper towel and dry my hands. And I wouldn't throw the paper towel away immediately because everyone knows that the germs in a public restroom are on the doorknob. And I would use the paper towels to open the door, prop open the door with my foot, wad up the paper towel and shoot a basket. And look, if I rim out, I'm not going back for that paper towel. Just leave it on the floor because there are too many germs there. And it's all because I wanted to even control the germs around me. See, we are not in control. We're not in control of the virus. We're not in control of people. We have to release control. Sure, walk in the 
guidelines and boundaries that God gives us and common sense, but we release control to him. Yeah. I saw this little book on prayer by Richard Foster, and he verbalized a prayer. It's called the prayer of relinquishment of control, and it really hit me in my control issues. He said, oh, Lord, how do I let go when I'm so unsure of things? I'm unsure of your will, and I'm unsure of myself. That really isn't the problem at all, is it? The truth of the matter is I hate the very idea of letting go. I really want to be in control. No, I need to be in control. That's it, isn't it? I'm afraid to give up control, afraid of what might happen. Heal my fear, Lord. See, we got to release control. Now, let me show you the second benefit to our brokenness. And it's brokenness leads to repentance. There was a guy in the Corinthian church who committed kind of a strange sexual sin. In fact, they think that he had an affair with like his stepmom or something like that. So he had to experience church discipline. And when he experienced the church discipline, his heart turned, his heart was broken over his sin and he turned from his sin. And look at what Paul said to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. Paul said, yet now I'm happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to what? Say that word out loud with me, repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Now, the salvation that comes from repentance in this text is not salvation unto eternal life, but really what it's talking about is sanctification or growing in your faith. And we must be broken, then we repent in order to grow spiritually in our lives. And you know, what a lot of people say in our society is, I don't like that word repent because the word repent insinuates that there's something wrong with me. But the Bible is clear. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that all we like sheep have gone astray. And so people who come before God and say, God, I'm a treasure. God says, oh no, you're a clay jar. But if we humbly come before God and say, I'm a clay jar, God says, yes, my son, my daughter, but I will deposit in you a treasure inside the clay jar. So I want to show you what happened with King David after he committed adultery and got caught. And we'll check in on his story in Psalm chapter 51, verse 17, where he says, the sacrifice you want is a, say that word with me, broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, oh God, you will not despise. And no matter what you've gone through or no matter what you've done wrong, if you will turn to God with a broken and repentant heart, he will not despise you. He will deposit a treasure into you. And if you submit to him and release control, here's what happens. Number three, the third benefit to brokenness is that God transforms your brokenness into the treasure. Now, one of the verses that talks about this transformation is 
a classic text, a very popular verse in the Bible that Christians just love. So if you're not a Christian and you want a bunch of Christians to foam at the mouth with excitement, just quote for them or read for them Romans 8, 28. And it says something like, God causes all things to work to the good of those who love him and are called according to the purpose, to his purpose. And so let me show you that verse in the voice translation of the Bible. It says, we are confident that God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and accept his invitation to live according to his plan. And so we love that verse and I love that translation because it teaches us that God can orchestrate. Someone who leads an orchestra has to take many different musicians and instruments and orchestrate them together to create beautiful music. And what God does is he can orchestrate the events of our lives to make something that's beautiful and wonderful. Now, here's where a lot of Christian people go wrong on this verse, is that the verse does not say that everything's good. It doesn't say God says everything's all good. COVID is not good. Cancer is not good. Rape and bankruptcy are not good. So God doesn't just say everything's all good. The verse also does not say that God works it out the way I want it. It doesn't say God will work all things the way I want it if I, you know, follow his will for my life. But what it does say is that he can take everything, an illness, a car accident, a physical disability, a sin mistake from the past, and he can work all those things together and transform them into something different that's beautiful and wonderful. So the way I heard it illustrated many years ago was from pastor and author Rick Warren, who said that life is like chocolate chip cookies. If you take the ingredients of the cookie, they're the flour by itself, doesn't taste very good. The shortening doesn't taste good by itself. The raw egg doesn't taste very good. But the only part of the cookie that tastes good are those little chocolate chips. And that's like life because a lot of the ingredients or experiences of our lives don't taste good in and of themselves. And then there are some things that do taste good, like the chocolate chips. But here's what happens is when those ingredients are piled up and they're beat and then they go into the oven and experience the heat, they're transformed to something altogether different, the cookie that you and I love to eat. See, have you ever felt beat down? Have you ever felt the heat of suffering? If you can release control to God and turn towards him and change your mind about the sinful habits and issues in life, then he can transform your brokenness into something that's sweet, that understands and empathizes with others who have experienced the same problems, issues, and even sins. So let me show you what God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. You're going through a problem. You're like, when's it going to end? He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in what? Say that word with me, weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my, let's say that word again, weaknesses so that Christ's power 
may rest on me. And so today, a lot of us are involved in what's called the strengths movement. We love that book, Strength Finder. We love to lean into our strengths and operate out of our strengths. But Paul would have written a book called Weakness Finder so that he could lean into his weaknesses because when we lean into our weaknesses, lead, love, and live through our weaknesses, the power of God works in and through us to do miraculous things in the world. And I can tell you that when it comes to my own brokenness and my own issues, I did not have the ability to get free from past problems. I've dealt with an addiction to lust and porn. At one time, I had a relationship outside my marriage. My marriage was struggling. I went to a Christian psychiatrist and was diagnosed with depression, a clinical depression, and I tried everything. You know, I tried accountability partners. I've gone to a myriad of different types of counseling. I remember one time that when I was about to give up, I went up to another state to go through what some people would call freedom counseling or some people would call it spiritual deliverance counseling. And before I even went, I had to fill out this exhaustive inventory of every embarrassing sin or anything that's ever happened to me in my life. And I filled it all out. I took the notebook up to another state and there were two guys in the room. One guy was praying the entire time. The other guy was leading me through this inventory. And I want to tell you, it was grueling. It was embarrassing because I had to confess to this guy every embarrassing thing I've ever done in my life. And some of it was just really painful to go back and rehash. And the guy, basically what he was doing was he was leading me to confess sin before God and then reframe things in my mind where I was trying to live and confess my new identity in Christ. And we got to one point where the guy said, Doug, you know, you seem to be very defeated. It's like you feel defeated in this life. And he goes, I want you to make a declaration with me out loud. I said, okay, you know, no duh, of course I'm defeated. That's why I'm here, dude. And so he says, I want you to make this declaration out loud with me. Say the words, I am not defeated. And so I thought, easy enough. I can do that. And so I'm thinking with my mind, I am not defeated. But the weird thing happened was between my mind and my mouth, something changed. And in a bit lower voice, my mouth said, I am defeated. And the guy stopped me and he said, Doug, I think you misunderstood. You're supposed to say, I am not defeated. He said, let's try this again. I said, okay. So I'm thinking with my mind, I'm not defeated. But my mouth in a bit lower voice said, again, I am defeated. And that time it jarred me a little bit. I thought, what's going on here? Because I'm thinking with my mind, I am not defeated, but my mouth is saying something different than what my mind is thinking. And those two men stopped me there and they prayed spiritual warfare prayers over me, taking authority over any demonic strongholds that had been lodged into my mind. And then they said, let's try this a third time. And on that third time, I was able to think with my mind the words, I am not defeated, and say with my mouth, I am not defeated. When I got home, you know, I didn't feel a lightning bolt, but when I got home, 
My wife, Jeannie, told me after a couple of weeks had passed, she said, Doug, I've been observing you. And it seems like ever since you got home from that freedom counseling, you've been different. It's like the cloud of confusion is gone. It's like you have a new sense of clarity. It's, about, it's like you're yourself again. And I wouldn't call that experience the silver bullet that completely changed me and set me free, but I know it was a turning point. It was a watershed issue. And not only have I been free from the lust and porn addiction for over 20 years, but the depression, the cloud of depression has been gone and my marriage made it and I've continued to be married to my wife. We've been married for over 30 years and if she keeps this up, I'm threatening another 30 years because God transforms brokenness into a treasure. He gives us purpose in our pain. In fact, because of my experiences, God inspired me to write a little book by that title, I Am Not Defeated. And if you want this little book, of course, you can get it on Amazon. I don't make anything from it. But if you'll come to a Kuo church at any point and buy this book, all the proceeds will go towards a Kuo church. I love a Kuo church, and I want to see a Kuo church blessed. And so if you buy it here at a Kuo, then all proceeds will go here. But let me ask this question. Why is it that God would go to the trouble of transforming our brokenness into something different. Well, I think it's summed up in a little story that I saw. It's an old story of this Indian water carrier. And this guy, uh, he had a pole over his shoulders and on one side he had a, a perfect clay jar to carry water and on the other side he had another clay jar, but this one was broken. And in the little story, the water carrier would go down to the river near his house and he would put water in both the jars. He would carry it on his shoulders, walk it back up to the house and use the water in the household. And in the little story, both the clay jars could talk. So one day, the perfect clay jar said to the master, to the water carrier, he said, I'm so glad that I fulfilled 100% of my potential and carried all the water up to the house for you, master. But the broken jar, the one with a crack in it, was ashamed and embarrassed. And he said to the water carrier, sir, I'm so sorry, I did not fulfill 100% of my potential. In fact, I waste a lot of your time and effort because of my brokenness, because of the crack in me. And the water carrier stopped the broken jar and said to him, look, I knew about your flaw and your brokenness, and I want to show you something. Look on the side of the path of the perfect clay jar, and you'll see that it's barren and there's nothing there. But look on your side of the path. You can see the beautiful flowers that line that side of the path. I knew about your brokenness, so I planted seeds in the ground and every day, I use your brokenness to water the seeds that became these beautiful flowers that I can pick and take up to my table 
and show beauty at my table. And look, you tracking with me yet? Your pain, your problem, your brokenness, if you'll trust it to God, he'll transform it to water the flowers along the side of the path and display the beauty of the grace of God to a world that desperately needs it right now. Look, there's purpose in your pain. And as I think back to when I was at the worst part of my own personal brokenness in one of my God times, I came across a verse that was like highlighted for me. And it was King David when he wrote in Psalm 51, verses eight through 13, he said, oh, give me back. He's talking to God. He says, oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And look at this last sentence. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. And that verse is fulfilled in and through my life in your hearing of it today because God restored my life and changed it so I could teach you his ways today. And he wants to do the same thing in and through you. And look, Akuo, you have got to continue to maintain the environment here that Pastor Humby has created so that broken people of every sort can continue to feel welcome here and experience the transforming, restorative power of the Holy Spirit of God. You've got to continue to welcome people here who are drunks and porn addicts and women who get paid in $1 bills and adulterers and thieves and gluttons and gangsters and freaks and geeks and even those people that text while they're driving or even those people that wear those god-awful, you know, stretchy bicycle shorts, you know, or people who are like crackheads, deadheads, meatheads, methheads, or even people who are Antifa or QAnon or even those overly religious Karens who like make all their own clothes and watch too many reruns of Little House on the Prairie. Look, God wants to welcome all of us in whatever our brokenness may be to experience the treasure that he has for the inside of us. And can I tell you the reason that you and I have the opportunity to have a treasure on the inside? Because God was broken. Did you know that? God's been broken too. Let me show it to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Christ followers all over the world celebrate communion today because Jesus' body was broken in place of me, in place of you. 
And if you'd like a love relationship with God through Jesus, I think it'd be totally appropriate to talk to him right now. He can read your thoughts. He can read your heart. So let's bow before him. And if you would like to start love relationship with God right now through Jesus, I want you to say to him in your heart, God, look, I know I've sinned. I've made mistakes, but I choose right now, the best I understand it, to believe that Jesus' body was broken on the cross for me. He was my substitute. So God, I welcome you into my life and I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. And as we continue in prayer, perhaps there are those of us that have known God for a short time or perhaps a long time and that issue of brokenness is coming to the forefront of your mind. But there's other voices out there telling you're defeated and I want you to make a declaration with me. So open your eyes from the prayer and look at, look at me. I want you to say the words that I said over 20 years ago. I am not defeated. When I point to you, I'm gonna have you say it out loud at home. I want you to wake up the kids or others that are in other parts of the house with the words, I am not defeated. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. I am not defeated. I know you probably said it well, but just in case you didn't say it with the passion that it deserves, I want to ask you to crank it up and let's say it one more time. Ready? Here we go. I am not defeated. And so Akuo, you will walk from here in power. You will walk from here with a treasure because you are not defeated. Will all of you join me in giving it up for Doug? If you're watching live online, throw some excited emojis in there for him. Throw some of those or these, you know. Uh, you can even throw a dancing lady in there because we're so fired up about the message he brought for us today. But seriously, Doug, thank you for the message. Akuo Church is incredibly grateful for your message. And me and Abel are personally grateful for just you as a man. Now, next week, we're going to start a new series called I Don't Want to Go. Have you ever had this feeling that you were supposed to do something or go in a certain direction in your life and you didn't? Well, this series is going to be looking at that exact situation. So be sure and watch along with us next week at 8.30 and 10 to find out more. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is, is what Doug was talking about with his book. He was saying that we could go ahead and purchase a book through Akuo and we'll hook you up with one. So here's what you have to do. What I want you to do is send us a direct message right now and we'll let you know how you can do that. All you have to do is tack on $10 into where you would normally give. We'll get the book to you as soon as we possibly can and it'll be all good. So the way that we practice generosity here at Akuo though, is we practice the biblical method of giving called tithing, which is giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. Now, we do that because we wanna trust God in very practical ways in our lives. And we know that when we trust God with something, we get a blessing through that. Now, that might not be a possibility for you right now. You might not be able to go ahead and give anything right now. Things might be tough for you and your family. Now, if things are tough for you right now and you need some help, you need someone to link to you right now, we wanna do that for you. Let Akuo Church be that for you. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs some help, let us know. All you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and you can click on the Contact Us link. 
You can also send me an email directly at humby.sedveta at akuo.church, or you can call or text the church directly at 210-901-8785. This also goes for the book. If you need a free book, we'll hook you up. Now, if you are willing to tithe here at Akuo Church, the way you can do that is by going to our website, akuo.church. When you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have our text to tithe option. For that, all you have to do is text Akuo, A-K-O-U-O, and the dollar amount you want to tithe to the number 77977. If you don't want to give electronically, we also have our P.O. Box available if you would like to send your tithe through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail your tithe to Akuo at P.O. Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas 78201. Next, I just want to remind you guys about our Zoom group. This is a great way for us to get together, be hot with one another, talk about the fruit that God is bearing in our lives, and also this is a place that you could potentially share your pain and figure out how your pain has purpose in your life. So we want you to join us this Wednesday night at 7.30. For, to be a part of this, our links are on the Zoom. To be a part of this, all you have to do is go to our social media to find the link to our Zoom group. Now, in addition to the Zoom group, we also have our first in-person group meeting here in the Monticello Park neighborhood every single Monday night. It's taking place outside and everyone will be asked to wear a mask for the time being. But if you are interested in being a part of it, we will be posting links about it on our social media this week as well. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you today. Like I tell you every single week, I love you and I'm praying for each and every one of you all week long. So before we go, let me just speak a prayer over you right now. So uh, Lord Jesus, as everyone clicks off their browser, turns off their TV and puts away their phone, I ask that you would just continue to speak to them. I ask that you would speak to them in a way that they could hear you, Lord. I pray that they would be able to see the brokenness in their lives and realize that it's not a deficiency. It's not a, something that's messed up about them. It's a place where you are shining through. Thank you for everything that you've given to us, Lord. Let our brokenness shine through to every single person in our lives. We love you. And we pray all these things in our name, Jesus. Amen. All right. That's all that I have for you today. We will see you later on this week. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O dot church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.